Welcome to Maiden Speech. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, self-worth and mindset coach and portrait photographer from New Zealand. And you are in the right place to get uplifted, empowered and inspired. I'm so lucky to have amazing guests come on and share their wisdom about all things related to personal development and being the best version of ourselves. I'm really passionate about reminding people that they are good enough and to have honest and vulnerable conversations where we connect on a real level and have lots of laughs. You can find me on Facebook at at Monica Ferguson Coaching, where you can join my group for extra inspiration. And I'm also on Instagram at mon3.0. Thanks so much for being here and please reach out and connect. I would love to hear from you. Let's get into it. Hey, hey, friends, Monica Ferguson here. Welcome to my latest episode of Maiden Speech. And this particular podcast is going to be all about me. Um, I actually thought that it would be a really nice opportunity to talk about my journey and let you guys into sort of what goes on in my head. I know that's a dangerous conversation, but to really um, share with you guys my story and why I'm so obsessed with the self-worth stuff and, and the things that I've you know been through that have kind of put me on this path because I know some of you follow me and you've followed my photography journey and all that sort of thing, but I thought this would be an awesome, awesome platform to do that. And I also just want to say, sending you guys so much love, whatever you, wherever you are in the world right now, whatever's going on in terms of lockdown and your jobs and all that stuff, I just want to give you guys a massive hug and remind you that However you are coping right now and however you feel in this moment is totally okay and totally natural. You know, there is no right or wrong way. And I know for me and a lot of the people that I'm supporting at the moment, it's, um, there are, there are waves, you know, there are, <laughs> they're absolutely emotional waves. So yeah, just ride the highs and be gentle with yourselves and the lows. And literally we will do this one step at a time. But anyway, so for me, <clears throat> now, as you guys know, well, as you may know, I am a self-worth and mindset coach. I work with visionary women to help them get out of their way so that they can claim their dreams. Uh, I'm a portrait photographer and I have this podcast. And all of those things totally came about by a complete accident. For me, I mean, I'm not going to go right back to the start. Um, I'm going to kind of gloss over some of the earlier childhood stuff, but I do think it is important for you guys to understand about me that my childhood was rough. I, um, I had divorce, I had court, I had lawyers, I had a step parent who was really, really violent towards my mum. So there was a lot of fear in my house when I was growing up and, um, and all these things, you know, have really shaped who I am. And if you want to hear a bit more about some of that stuff, you can go back to this amazing podcast that I did with Zareen, which was around forgiveness. Cause I really last year really worked through processing some of that stuff and learning to forgive, you know, not condone, but forgive just so that it doesn't haunt me for the rest of my life kind of thing. So where I want to start my journey where it becomes relevant in terms of self-worth was I worked in mental health for four and a half years. I was a community support worker. So I had, a caseload of clients and my job was to help them really thrive to say well to get out and about to set goals and all that kind of stuff I was kind of a um like a cheerleader you know I don't know a personal motivator and I learned so much in this time that only now I'm really starting to understand how amazing that time was for me in terms of shaping who I was and and I really struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time so 
one of the defining moments in my life was when I was 18 and I talked about this as well in a previous podcast where I got a phone call one day and I found out that my little brother who was nine had had a freak seizure on holiday with my parents and had died. Um, and that is a sort of thing in your life that absolutely changes your whole trajectory, you know? And again, I didn't realize it at the, at the time. Um, but what happened after that was, I mean, I'd already, I'd really struggled with depression and anxiety for as long as I could remember my teen years. I really, really struggled with that. I had, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I had a couple of very near suicide attempts and I totally identify with anyone who understands those periods of absolute darkness. And, you know, I remember at the height of my anxiety and stuff like that, unplugging all the phones in the house. Well, old school, we still had actual phones, you know, <laughs> that rung. But I remember hearing people's voices outside and getting so paranoid that I'd have to talk to someone and, you know, going to the supermarket in, you know, late at night in another town so that I wouldn't have to run into anyone. And I used to just put on, you know, hoodies and really just, yeah, I, it wasn't good, you know. But in understanding that now how it's all come together, you know. So this time when Fergus died and my whole world just got thrown up and my parents moved, my mum, my stepdad at the time moved to America um, a few months later. And so I sort of found myself in New Zealand um, and had, having to figure things out. And in that time, I went, I actually really wanted to be a counsellor. My goal was always to be a counsellor. And I was too young, I was only 18, so I was too young to get into the counselling program. So I decided, okay, cool, there's a mental health qualification that I could do first for a year, and then I'll be old enough to get into the course. So I studied that, and at the end of the course, they dropped the counselling program. And at that point, I'd been, you know, a year away from my mum. I wanted to be with her. I um, I'd actually originally been planning on going to university at that point. So when Fergus died, I was doing a the certificate of university preparation course at university, which was basically to skip, you know, sixth and seventh form because I'd done an exchange year in Sweden. So I was behind. So I'd done like, you know, like correspondence sort of stuff to catch up. But so I was like, all these things had happened. I just, I knew that I wasn't in the mental state to go to university. So I thought, Hey, I'll, I'll study this instead. Um, and I got to the end of that program and I had been so depressed. My tutor had actually called my mum um, in the States and said, you need to, you know, like, I'm really worried about your kid. And I remember mum and I had uh, one of the most honest conversations we've ever had around, and it was honestly, it was around suicide. It was around feeling like we didn't want to live. And, um, and so I'd actually, at that point, decided to move over to the States. So I was there for a year and that was, um, it was an okay thing. The States wasn't really the place for me. I didn't feel like I fit in, really struggled to make friends, got a dodgy boyfriend, you know, who really tore me down actually, really, really tore me down, uh, wanted to isolate me from everyone else. So I came back to New Zealand and he followed me and basically his mission was to wear me down until I'd moved back to the States with him. And in the end, it was a a friend, actually. We were on a road trip, and a friend of mine pulled me aside, and he said, Monica, um, you've lost your sparkle. And I remember it was just like this massive wake-up call, you know? And I, yeah, I just realized, like, what the heck am I doing? And so 
I actually broke up with him on the way home and then all this horrible stuff happened. But anyway, he left. And at that point, that's when I was like, right, I was living in Wellington City. I was working in mental health. My job was supporting people, right, which was amazing because I was such a mess at that time. You know, I was 21 years old. Um, I was still really struggling with depression in particular. And I, you know, having a job that's about wellness and also having a job that's about service, it just helps you so much. When your job is to lift others up, you know, you become like a channel for it. You can't, because I don't know if you guys have read this amazing book, it's my favorite book ever, um, called Conversations with God. And in it, it says, you know, you can't give away what you don't have. So the fact is that by, by you giving support, giving encouragement, giving positivity, it comes back to you as well. So when your mission becomes about service, it gives you that purpose and that reason, and it's, it becomes bigger than you. And I really loved that, you know, and I really loved the impact that I could have on people. And, and for me, one of the things was that I always had this kind of clarity where I could see people very clearly and I could see situations very clearly, you know, when, from that objective viewpoint, not when I'm, you know, enmeshed in it myself, but I could look at my clients, for example, my clients who were, oh, there were two in particular that come to mind. Um, and I remember feeling so sad that the only person that they would see in their day was me. And it was only because I was paid to be there. You know, these people were just throwing medication. They had no family. They had no friends. They had no purpose. They had, you know, terrible health, um, really bad, you know, financial situations and stuff like that. They lived in those gross, damp Wellington flats. Um, and it's all, it's just this very cold clinical approach and it just didn't, it didn't sit with me at all. So I really got in and um, gave it my all with my clients and actually in mental health, that's quite taxing on you. And so I'd been working in this job. I'd had a couple of roles, um, but mostly, you know, I was one-on-one in the community with people, getting them going, getting them, you know, and it might be things like going to a budget advisor, helping them to set up a budget. It might be going to actual appointments. It might be going grocery shopping. But it also was things like, what's your passion? You know, because I was always interested in what motivated people? Because I don't get out of bed to do my washing. So why would you? You know, it's like, I'm not going to get out of bed, like with the energy of Tigger to go and do my my dishes or whatever. Um and yeah, that just that overview thing, and this was really where the holistic thing for me kicked in, where I started to understand that there was so much more. Like we can't say mental health, and you can't compartmentalize your mental health from everything else because you need all these other things to work. And so my thing really became, and it's funny when you look back now because actually I was coaching. It was always about finding that thing in people that motivated them, that fired them up, and then pushing them and supporting them and helping them believe that they could do it. That's exactly. And it's what I do now, you know? Um, and so I had some amazing wins and amazing clients and amazing stories, but it really took a toll on me. You know, the things that you see, I worked with the top 3% of unwell people in the country. So they all had community teams. So, you know, psychiatrists, stuff like that. Um, and when you are watching someone you really care about, go through you know like a psychotic episode or um suicide attempts 
and self-harm and stuff like that I'm just not someone who can disconnect so for me you know being so um, empathic it served me in a lot of ways because I was able to feel what people felt and what they needed but it also was really hard for me to disconnect and so often I would it would just absolutely drain me and I'd go home and just be a zombie you know <laughs> so anyway I got to the point where I was ready to leave I knew that I'd burned out and I had um I had two clients at the same time like within a, a period of a few days who both said to me hey mom can we go on photo shoots during our support time and um I was like oh that's cool you know that's a great a great thing for us to do and so we, we started they started taking me on little photo shoots to the beach doing landscape shoots stuff like that and it was like because musically you know that's my creative outlet is music I sing um but visually like I'd never dabbled in visual arts or anything like that and it's so one of these times that I look back on and I think wow everything literally led me to this moment because I had been applying for jobs like crazy and I had had like 70 rejections I couldn't even get an interview and I was really down. I'm like, what is wrong with me that no one even wants to meet with me? You know, my CV is not bad. Um, anyway, and so I sort of got to this re realization where I felt like maybe this wasn't my journey. This wasn't my door, you know, and that's why it is not opening. Even in spite of the fact that I'm bashing it in with a crowbar, maybe it is not my door. So anyway, so I kind of let go of that. And I said, I'm just going to focus on being grateful for the fact that at least right now I have a job and it's by the sea. Um, and I'm just going to hang out there for a little while, you know? And so my clients handing me their cameras, getting me to play. And there was this one moment that I will never forget. And I was in Kapiti and I was up the lookout. It was this gorgeous sunny day and Kapiti is one of my favorite places in the whole world. And she hands me a camera and she says, Hey Monica, do you want to have a play with my camera? She hands it to me and I take a photo of Kapiti Island. And it was like this weird coming home where have you been all my life, bolt of lightning moment. And I remember looking at this photo and looking at the camera and thinking, holy beep, you know, like, where have you been all my life? And it just, it turned something on in my brain straight away that I have never been able to turn off. And it changed the way that I looked at everything. And all of a sudden I'm running around, you know, with my cell phone, taking photos of, um, reflections and puddles and oh my like there's a sunset pull over like dodgy parking on the side of the road to get a photo of a sunset and it just it was like all of a sudden I started to see that's the best way to put it and so the next thing that happened was um both of these clients so not only are they taking me out on photo shoots and giving me their cameras to play with they also were both associated with a photography school, which turned out to be on the same block as my office that I never knew was there. It was at the back of a section. And so they said, hey, can you come in and um, come to a meeting with me at the school? So I ended up going in with them. So I started meeting, you know, I met the head of the school. I met some of the tutors. Um, and they start, you know, the head of the school said to me, oh, you know, do you like photography? And I said, oh, yeah, I guess so. And he said, oh, you'd be good at it then. And I was kind of like, you know, save your sales pitch for someone else not interested. And anyway, this was a gut instinct sort of thing. My intuition just said, Monica, <laughs> you need to quit your job and go and study photography. And at that point I was 24 and I was at the point where I sort of thought, okay, 
career change, you know, plot twist. If I, if I did this now, there would be time for me to, you know, I'm not too old to start something new kind of thing, which is so funny now because I'm super intuitive now all the time and all the decisions that I make. But back then I was trying to be responsible, you know, um, <laughs> there's a bit of both, but so yeah, gut instinct said, quit your job, Monica, and go and study photography. And so I did. Um, and I applied for the course. I got accepted. The next day I got offered a job, um, which was amazing. And because the job itself was terrible, you know, I, but I would have taken it. I would have taken it. Had it had come day, a day earlier, I would have taken this terrible job. And it was like, it was meant to be a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's where I was meant to be. And I got into the course and I was absolutely terrified. And I really struggled actually, because my job, my mental health job, I was so good at, I knew everything. And I actually really struggled being terrible at something you know, and the, the people in my class had a lot more experience than me. And it was, it was boot camp. It was in the deep end and I knew nothing. And so, you know, I had to suck before I could get good. And I did suck. I sucked hard, um, in front of lots of people. And so I really struggled with that. And I also really struggled with the fact that we had all these different tutors who had different backgrounds. And I struggled with, um, being graded on something so subjective you know, art is art. Like all of us have a different opinion. And I so really struggled with trying to please everyone to get a good grade. But actually in that time, I never really figured out what I liked or what I wanted or the impact that I wanted to create with my work. So yeah, there was all that kind of stuff going on. So in terms of me building, it was massive. And I actually, the stress of it, I, um, because it was intense. Like we had so much work as well. So, so much work. And I, I developed psoriasis, which is hideous, um, like awful, like over my whole body. And yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was really like boot camp. Um, but we had this tutor and I still look back at her and I think she is one of those people, you know, you can look in life and you just know that there were these people that just appeared in your life and you needed them and they changed everything. And she was one of them. And we were doing an abstract paper with her, which was really um, kind of wacky and I didn't understand it. It was very much about getting us out of our, you know, logical part of the brain, using different parts of the brain. So we'd do things like color and pictures upside down with the wrong hand and that kind of thing. And I just, I was like, how is this going to teach me to create a business? Um, but what I didn't realize, you know, she gave us this project and it was a 20 week project and, we had to develop an idea and then shoot it and then present it at the end in a slideshow. Um, and it was like right at the start that we got given this. And I thought, Oh my God, I, I can barely even turn my camera on, let alone do this and present it to the school, you know, the degree students and like, Holy. So I thought about it though. And I thought, you know, at that point, so it would have been about six years since Fergus had died. And up until that point, I'd used music for myself to kind of, you know, as my outlet, my creative outlet. And I thought, what would happen though if I explored this photographically? You know, what would it look like? And I started to think about all those significant moments that happen after someone passes away. And, you know, for, for me, there were things like, I just remember so clearly waking up the day after the funeral and I had a massive headache. I was so hungover side note, <laughs> keeping it real guys, keeping it real. But, um, I remember waking up 
and thinking what do I do now and I remember you know walking out and everyone sends flowers and watching the flowers die and it was just this horrendous thing to watch you know it was like the symbolic thing and not knowing who I was or how to be anymore and watching everyone else go back to their lives as if nothing had happened when like the worst thing I could have imagined had happened to us you know and so I I took that and so I like I photographed um, you know, the reflections of flowers, like dead flowers in a stream and stuff like that. And, and I took my funeral dress, my black funeral dress, and I, I put it on the washing line in Wellington on a really windy day. And I caught the movement, which is kind of like jolting. And it was things like that. And um, also in that process, I went back and he had, a, he had a girlfriend. And if you follow me, you will notice there are many photos of her on my social media and my website because she became my muse after this. Um, she her name was Mel shout out to Mel and they you know Fergus actually had two girlfriends when he died little player but um I wanted them to get married Mel and Fergus <laughs> and he actually had written in his um oh my gosh words oh my gosh what this is so bad closet closet we got there in the end and vivid you know I love Mel and all that sort of thing and so I went back and I found her and I found his best friend and I said hey you guys this is a project I'm working on do you want to be a part of it and they said yes and so I had this amazing moment and I'll never forget it watching them walk towards me as 17 year olds when I hadn't seen them since they were nine and just trying not to cry um it was incredible so sad but so like everything all the emotions you know I so created this whole thing and had to present it and slideshow you know so lights go out slideshow plays lights come back on and there everyone had tears you know and it was so amazing because no one knew what it was about it was abstract you know but it was the first time I made that connection that you can make people feel what you feel with a camera that it is not subjective you know it is you everyone could feel my pain they felt what I felt when I create you know when I created these images and I was just like wow so because I knew that with music you know you could move people and you could make people feel things um and so to have this revelation with photography and in that moment I knew why I was there I've been struggling like I knew that I was meant to be at the school but I hadn't figured out why and in that moment it was another one of those you know it was like being on at the lookout in Kapiti with that camera the first time boom this is what we're all about and I realized that I wanted to make people feel things so I had also become really aware that people hate being photographed at this point right and I had never cared about photographs until Fergus had died and when you lose someone photographs are all that remain and so they become absolutely invaluable you know nothing you could never put a price on them and so I was like right I want to get everyone into photographs I want to make sure that everyone exists in photographs and so that they don't have you know they're never left without memories of their loved ones and that was my mission and then you start talking to people about photography and they say to you oh Monica I hate being photographed and I'm so unphotogenic. And then I always sass people, you know, when they say that to me and they're like, Oh no, I'm sure that everyone says this to you, but I really am unphotogenic. And so obviously for me, I wanted people into photographs. So 
it presented me an, an opportunity, which was how do I make people feel awesome about being photographed? And that's where I studied. So I went off and I learned, I did thousands and thousands of hours worth of courses in terms of direction, posing. I learned how to, um, how to make people look good, how to, you know, all these things. And I, so I became so invested in creating an opportunity and experience for people that made them feel so good. And so there, there was that, there was the actual, the fact that I take responsibility for people to look good. That was the first bit. The second bit was that all of my mental health training kicked in in the most amazing way that I never could have anticipated because it's not mental health, it's relationships, right? It's meeting people where they're at. It's making people feel safe. It's holding space for people, building trust, building rapport. And actually every single person who comes in for a photo shoot is feeling nervous, is feeling anxious, is feeling insecure, is feeling, you know, they're being confronted with every insecurity that they have about themselves and they're afraid to hand over power because actually we, we are used to seeing ourselves a certain way because often the only sort of photos that we see are selfies and things where we control stuff, we filter it up. It's not real. So to actually hand the power over to someone else is quite scary for people. But what I realized is that, you know, my project moment came back in where what I see is so much better than what you see. And so I was like, these three components just came together and it was like, I want to make you feel what I see when I look at you. And that's why I spend so much time getting to know my clients because I want to know who they are. I want to know what makes them incredible. I want to know what their traits are. I want to know their story so that when I look at them, I actually, A, they feel safe. So they drop their guard because we've done all this other work already. But when you look at something, the energy of that goes into these photographs. And so what I found, and this is the same for every shoot, is that five minutes in, I will take some shots of my client, you know, and I will turn my camera around and they will sit and they will, they will either A, cry, B, say, oh my God, is that me? Or C, say something like, ah, oh, um, that's actually not bad, right? And this is interesting because this is where I learned that we're not very good at speaking nice things about ourselves. In fact, we really struggle with it. And it makes sense because look at our culture, the whole tall poppy thing. We're not allowed to like ourselves. And so my shoots became this massive empowerment. Let's make you feel amazing. Let's help you see what everyone else sees. Because actually everyone else sees you. Um, we don't see ourselves clearly, but everyone else sees us, you know? And so that became my absolute mission was I got hooked on that moment of turning your camera around and having someone be like, oh my God, is that me? And having this moment, this awakening of realizing I've been beating myself up my whole life for not being good enough. And this is actually what I look like. And I love doing it at the start of a shoot as well, because it gives people a massive confidence boost. A, it's good for me because it means they trust me because they see how good they look. But B, they actually feel really good in their own skin. And so they radiate for the rest of the shoot. And so all I have to do is capture it, you know? That's where this started. And I just got so hooked on that. Like imagine being able to shift people's perception of themselves. Like how incredible. Like, and I get paid to do that. I mean, pinch me, you know, that's where that started. And then all these things started to build. Now my journey working in mental health and my journey of getting myself out of depression and anxiety 
I had another one of these lightning bolt moments. I feel like I'm going to have to get a lightning bolt tattoo or something now. I will say. But when I was 21, a friend gave me a book called The Secret. And that book is all about law of attraction. For those of you who know what that is, it basically says like attracts like, right? So it basically says that we have the power to, we're constantly drawing things to us, whether we want it or not. So actually we have power. So, you know, when you think about me, when I was really depressed, I spent all of my time and energy fixated on how bad everything was. I was Eeyore, you know, how negative everything was, how alone I was, how broken I was, how insignificant and unworthy and not good enough I was. And so guess what? You attract more of those things to you like that. You know, you're never going to get an amazing compliment, um, an amazing pay rise, an amazing opportunity when you're sitting at home just fixated on how nothing you are, you know? And that book, it really turned something on for me and it taught me that I actually have some power here. And up until that point, I had been powerless. I'd felt like my life is just crap and all the only bad things happen to me. And obviously I deserve it because, you know, da 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 da. And, and so I actually tried this out when I was looking for a flat and I'd, I'd been to my friend's house a couple of weeks earlier and she had these colored light bulbs in her lounge, like blue and red ones. And I thought that's so cool. I'd love to have colored light bulbs. And so I walked into this flat, it was pouring with rain, it was freezing cold one night and he turns the light on and there are colored light bulbs. And I was just like, no way. And so I ended up living in that house for quite a while, but it was like paying attention, right? To these little moments where we create stuff, where we make it happen, where we dream it up and it comes to us. And it just all of a sudden gave me this, this boost where, yeah, I was like, I actually can, can make stuff happen. And so I, my personal development journey had really kicked off there where I was like, I was aware that I had some power. And so I really started to take my power back. I read everything. I listened to everything. I would just consume books and information. I wanted to learn so much about how I could grow as a person, how I could be a better person, how I could help my clients more. Because actually learning things like NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, is what helped me shift so much with my clients when I worked in mental health. Getting them to reprogram and reframe things, you know? And so much of that has just been incredible. And honestly, I geek out on it. It's my thing. Personal development. It sounds so lame. We need a sexier term, but it is awesome. And effectively, that's what this podcast is, right? It's a tool for personal development. So I get just as much out of it as everyone else does. But anyway, I digress. So I've become really into personal development. And last year, early last year, I decided that I wanted to start a podcast and for me, this was actually a huge deal because I had so much imposter syndrome and I'd really put myself in a box as I'm just a photographer. Like I'm a photographer, I'm a photographer. Of course, I was not a photographer. I don't, you know, I was doing all these things already, but I just said, oh, I'm just a photographer. And it was like, it was all those other things that made me different and made me unique. But I was so afraid to put myself out there and... I thought, you know, like I, but I knew I had this feeling, this gut, that gut instinct thing, when you know it's for you, even though it's scary, you know it's for you. And I knew that I wanted to start a podcast because I knew that I wanted to do something to do with personal development. I wanted a way to connect with people differently. Um, and also, I had a real thing about uh, social media and online stuff. And I wanted a platform to, 
connect with people that wasn't all about the highlights real stuff. It was actually an opportunity to talk like this, to share our vulnerability, to share our truth, to, to talk about stuff that's, we just don't talk about, you know, and look at this, like I have a mental health background, yet there's still so much stigma and shame around depression and stuff like that. And actually most of us have experienced that. Why can't we just support each other? Why can't we share what's going on for us and be supported instead of shamed, you know? So that's where that came from. And so I started the podcast and I was like, right. And that was huge. You know, the first one that I, that I recorded, I remember sitting in where I am now at my desk and thinking I need tequila shots, step, you know, I need five of them. I was shaking. I felt nauseous. Like I was so terrified. And because the thing with a podcast too, is that it's your authentic voice. You know, you can write something online, but you can edit it. You change it. You make it all perfect. Same with posting photographs, you know, whereas this is like your actual dorky. Like I've got off some of the, of my podcast and thought, Oh my gosh, did I actually say that? You know, um, like Harry Potter jokes and stuff like that. But then I'm like, you know what? That makes me me. So actually it's good. And that's why I keep everything in. I remember my second podcast that I did with Jono and right at the end, he started talking about macaroni and cheese and he texts me afterwards and he's like, please edit that out. I said, no. And it's still there. Like I want it to be real, you know? And so that gave me a massive thing of, okay, I do feel like my purpose here is to impact people it's not actually about photographs. It's the impact that I was creating, right? And it was the same with the podcast. I wanted to shift how people felt about themselves. I wanted to help people remember that they have power, that they are creating, that they are not helpless little victims. Because so often I think that we do, we feel like everyone else is calling the shots in our lives. And I was like, okay, what can I do though? To connect us, to give people their power back, to teach them new things, and also yeah, to have a place to connect where people feel like they're not struggling and everyone else is killing it. Because if you go on Facebook, that's pretty much, I still have those moments where I have to limit my, you know, social media time where I just think, oh my God, everyone else is doing so well compared to me. And it's like, we've just got to get out of that stuff, you know, and it's a constant thing. But then last year, my coach said to me, Monica, you know, you're a coach, right? And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, Okay, and here, here we go, lightning bolt. I need a little sound that I can hit. And it, if you know of anything, let me know. Like, when it's a lightning bolt moment, I can hit a button. Um, she said, can you imagine doing what you do but without a camera? And I said, actually, yes, I can. Because, yeah, it's all of that building people up. It's all the conversation. It's all of the holding space for people and giving people permission to feel good. It's all the giving people compliments and celebrating their journey and their story and what, you know, those things that make them unique. The photograph is like the souvenir at the end of a great experience. And I realized that more and more as time went on that people, you know, I was getting five star reviews before people had even like seen their photographs. And that's when I started to realize actually the experience of having someone really see you and give you permission. And like in my studio, there is no negative talk ever. None is allowed. So it's just this really amazing day where everyone is there to celebrate you and capture you. And, you know, and it was like, okay, that is actually what I was doing. So I was actually coaching people without realizing. And so I thought, okay, let's think about this. And so I went and I studied last year to be a coach. And then over summer last year, I had all these ideas just come through. I remember sitting under my tree on my lawn 
And I was like, oh my God, I should create a group coaching program. And it would be called Revive, of course, because that's what we're doing. And it would be about this, this, and this. And all the work that I did last year for me in, my own, in terms of my own personal development was the most brutal year where I cried more than I've ever imagined. And I healed so much stuff and I pushed myself so far into my comfort zone and, and still continue to do, you know, it's an ongoing journey. But I, I was able to draw so much on my own experiences in terms of what I was creating, what I felt was really important for people to own and understand and, and experience and all that sort of thing. And all these ideas just came out of me onto paper. And within two days, I'd created... Um, a, a home like self coaching program for people to do if they didn't want it, the face to face stuff. And, but all of the modules, all of the content, I just sat and it just all came out of me, just typed it up. And I'd created my whole group coaching program. And I was like, huh. And I'd created website pages for it. Like it was just, it was meant to be. So yeah. And so then, so I had the podcast and I had that. And then my friend Jade and I had decided to create the self worth tribe as well which again was an answer to a problem that we saw, which was lack of connection, lack of community, lack of, um, I don't even know, how would you put it? Like lack of, there's no space and time for us to be real and to be heard and to be supported, right? So we wanted to create a place that you could come as you are, be around other women who had your back, where there's no judgment, there's no shame. You come, if you're on a high, awesome. If you're really struggling, awesome and be supported and have an opportunity to actually talk out loud and have a bunch of hugs and then go home. And so we created the self-worth tribe, which, you know, you guys should definitely check that out. It's um, we post on there several times a week on our page and we have monthly meetups and stuff like that as well. And yeah, it was just, it really became about this wanting to create community, wanting to create connection, wanting to empower people. And so the coaching, you know, I was like, this is, this is where I want to be. And but in saying that, my own process still was to work through all the imposter syndrome stuff. You know, I told the story as well. I, um, on my Facebook page, my business Facebook page, I knew that I had to create a Facebook group. Um, I knew that I needed to do that as a place to really connect with people more deeply. And I procrastinated for three weeks. And one day I was like, it has to be today. And I sat on the floor of my studio and I cried and I felt so scared and sick and all of that negative who do you think you are, Monica? No one cares what you have to say. You don't know enough. You're not experienced enough. You're not good enough. You're not interesting enough. Why would anyone want to join your group, right? All the sort of negative stuff. Because this is what happens as we're reaching the new levels, as we're pushing out of our comfort zone, the resistance that smacks us is brutal. And also because, you know, my amazing subconscious, which was trying so hard to keep me safe, knew that for me, it wasn't just a group. The group signified me stepping into being seen fully, stepping into leadership, stepping into being a coach who gets in front of people and speaks and all that sort of thing. And so I did it anyway. Um, I created the group and I had 100 people join within an hour. And it was just, you know, it's such a good, I reflect on that so often whenever I feel fear coming up, that it's just, it's such a good sign that we're about to go to the next level, which is amazing but actually to really celebrate the, the journey that we go through, you know, because it's not easy. It looks easy. We can look at everyone else and feel like it's so easy. You obviously do this because it's easy for you. And it's like, it's not easy, but they do it because they are they are not willing to not do it, you know? So that's where all that came from. And, you know, my, my own journey with self-worth 
I mean, I, you know, I struggled with depression for most of my life. I absolutely hated myself. I, you know, I found old journals from when I was a teenager and the things that I would say to myself and just the most critical, vicious, nasty, hateful things. And I felt really unworthy. I felt really insignificant was the word that I used. Like, I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I had nothing to offer. I felt like it didn't matter what I did because no one really cared, you know? And all these things that I carried for so long, so, so long. And so I'm like, you know, all these experiences that I've had in my own journey with personal development and and learning self-worth and learning what it's like to go from that, to go from wishing that I was dead to being able to say, you know what? Um, I actually have so much to offer and I'm really excited to share that with people. I'm really excited to be someone that has been through all this stuff because it means that I can help other people to do the same. And I, you know, it's like, it all comes together. But the, the, the thing with, you know, photography and coaching and the tribe and and all of that is that it's all come from my own experience of what it's like to not feel like that. And so wanting so badly to help people out of that, because it is such a dark place and it's such a hole, you know, and if you're not surrounded with people and if you're in that place, because chances are you won't be surrounded by uplifting positive people, but actually that's what we need. And we need a way to connect in the meantime, you know, we need a way to to talk about things that are real because yes, we are positive and yes, we celebrate our accomplishments, but we also don't gloss over the painful stuff. There is so much for us to learn in that. There's so much for us to heal. There's so much, you know, for us to grow through. And I don't believe that any of us are here for a small reason. I believe we're all capable of massive impact. I believe that all of us have amazing abilities and talents that if we really went after them, we would change the world. And that is what I'm here for. And my mission is to help wake you up and for you to remember how incredible you are and that there's nothing, nothing accidental here. You know, the chances of you being born are one in 400 trillion. That is how unique you are. And so I'm just really grateful that I've got these platforms to connect with you guys. I'm really grateful that you're here. I'm really grateful for all your support. It means so much to me. And I hope that this story and this journey has somewhat inspired you or helped you to connect more to me and I would love to hear from you guys share your stories with me send me a, a private message or connect with me online Instagram Facebook LinkedIn even if you're old school um, email me it doesn't matter I'd love to chat more with you guys and thank you for being here and thank you for the unique light in the world that you are because honestly you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't already doing something incredible so lots of love, you guys, and let's catch up really soon. Bye.